Galatians chapter 5. And tonight we are going to, again, look at verse 23, but we're going to consider the last of the list here of the fruit of the Spirit. And verse 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Uh, None of these, there's ever been a law of man or a law of God or a law of Moses that ever outlawed any one of these things. And, And the fruit of the Spirit is certainly set in contrast to the work of the flesh. And we're going to consider temperance tonight and what it means and how it applies in our life. And we'll just make some application along the way. Uh, but before we get into it, I just want to look at a couple passages of Scripture uh, to help us see and remind us that the fruit of the Spirit truly is set in contrast to the work of the flesh. And we live in a world of, of extremes. Um, I think it's not hard to see uh, that how extreme things are in our culture. It almost seems like, like everything is taken to some extreme these days. I mean, you just think about the the pronouns uh, that you have to call people by these days, right? Um, and it's, it's, it defies common sense. And, it, and it's, it's, we could go on and talk about it, and it's ridiculous and so on, but it's just so extreme. And on the one hand, you know, you have to, uh, people identify as this, and you have to use their pronouns, but why, why don't I have the right to start making adjectives about myself and you have to start identifying or calling me by my adjectives, right? Like I'm amazing and I'm very handsome and I'm very intelligent. Those are all the adjectives that you must start calling me by from now on. I mean, it's extreme, right? Obviously. And everyone's shaking their head at that. That's for sure extreme. <clears throat> but that's the world that we live in and it seems like more and more things are out of control. And that shouldn't be surprising to us because that is the nature of our sinful flesh and the nature of sinful humankind. And when the sin nature has control, it begins to spiral downward worse and worse and worse until there is no restraint. And this is the contrast that we need to see. The Apostle Paul says that in my flesh there dwelleth no good thing. There is absolutely no good in our flesh, contrasted with what the Spirit of God produces in a life that is under the control of the Spirit of God. And this thought of mankind, sinful nature, having full control, spiraling out of control, worse and worse, that's not something that's new. Go back to Genesis chapter 6 with me. Genesis chapter 6, and I want you to just see a couple of verses here that, that show us and remind us uh, the tendency or the nature of sinful men. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 12, the Bible says, And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. The Bible tells us that that, that this is not a new thing, uh, what we see even happening around us. This is the result 
of the sinful nature having full control and being out of control. God said that he looked down and the whole earth was corrupt and all flesh had corrupted itself. Go to Genesis chapter 18. In Genesis chapter 18 and verse 20. Verse Genesis 18 and verse 20. And the Lord said, uh, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me. And if not, I will know. And you know the story. God ended up destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. But the reason was because the cry of it was great and the sin of it very grievous unto God. Uh, Romans chapter 1 is a great passage of scripture to, to chronicle for us or catalog for us the downward spiral of society and mankind when there is no restraint and the flesh has control. In fact, look at verse 29. I'll just take you over there quickly. Romans chapter 1. And if you read through, say beginning in verse 18 and all the way down, you find uh, that that mankind is just uh, has a knowledge of God, and mankind denies that the knowledge of God. And there's just this downward spiral of society and mankind until you get to verse 29. And notice verse 29: being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy. Murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. You notice how verse 29 says that he, they're filled with unrighteousness and fornication and wickedness, and these are backbiters and haters of God and proud and, and boastful and, and despisers of those that are good and all that. That sounds a lot like Galatians 5 and verse 19 that starts to talk about the works of the flesh, doesn't it? Sounds an awful lot like it. Go back to Galatians chapter 5. And look in verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions. Uh, verse 21, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and so on. Those passages seem pretty parallel together in describing what the flesh is. And so... The point is that I'm making here to, is to remind us that the setting for temperance, the setting for the fruit of the spirit is in contrast to the work of the flesh. And fle the flesh is out of control and there's no good thing that dwells in it. And so that is the setting for the fruit and the context for the fruit of the spirit, which is temperance. The word temperance refers to the mastery over all our evil inclinations and appetites. 
It refers to a proper and limited use of earthly enjoyments. It refers to keeping the senses under proper restraint. In other words, what temperance really is talking about is balance or self-control by the Holy Spirit of God. That's what temperance is talking about. And we're going to talk about this tonight as we walk through this. The idea and the thought that God does not want his people living in extremes. God doesn't want us up and down and all over the place. God wants us steadily growing in Christ's likeness and our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't want us living with extremes. And you know what? We may not live with extremes of the world and of the flesh like some of the things that we see here when it when it when it comes to the the physical things of the world we may not be out there in extreme like doing drugs and and all of those other things that we can imagine are of a worldly sort but what about living in the extremes of feelings emotions reactions words we say habits that we have lifestyle that we keep what about extremes in those and when we talk about the flesh and we think about the works of the flesh our mind it goes to those horrible things physical things that we can imagine but god doesn't want us living with extremes in all of those other areas that can so easily be controlled by the flesh too the fleshly tendency is to go toward extremes you know, like somebody who has the, the tendency to be jumping to conclusions about everyone all the time. They hear a little bit of information, they just jump to a conclusion like, oh, I know what's going on there. Right? The jumping to conclusions is a symptom of an extreme in our life. And God wants us to have a life that is characterized by temperance. Temperance, balance, self-control because of the Holy Spirit of God. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight and make some applications and prayerfully it'll be challenging and helpful at the same time. And let us consider our life, amen, and let us align it with God's truth in his word, amen. Let us not pitchfork truth, but, but say, Lord, what is, the, what is there for me that you have? How do I align my life with your truth? And let's be honest with ourselves tonight, amen, and with the Lord and ask the Lord to teach us from his word. Remind us of some principles and truth. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, and I pray that you'd use it tonight to encourage and to challenge your people. Lord, that our heart would be to engage with truth tonight, that the word of God might effectually work in us. And Lord, that we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, what about temperance? Let's just talk about it a little bit in the scriptures here. The words temperate or temperance are only found six times in the whole Bible. The word temperance is found in Acts chapter 24 and verse 25, and as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled, the Bible says. 2 Peter 1.5, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness. In Galatians 5.23, of course, uh, we, as a fruit of the Spirit, temperance. The word temperate 
is found only three times in the Bible, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 25, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we, an incorruptible, we're going to go to that passage in a little while and consider it a little further. But every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Titus 1.8, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate. What this is telling us is that part of the qualifications for a man in the ministry is that he have this quality or characteristic of temperance about him. Now, that doesn't mean he has to be perfect in it, and I'll tell you that from personal experience. But it does mean that we need to be growing in it, amen? And we need to be yielding to the Spirit of God so that the Spirit of God will produce this Christ-likeness in us. Titus 2 and verse 2, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. So, lest you think that temperance is only for those in the ministry, Paul says to Titus, Speak the things that become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. In other words, what should be in the lives of the saints of God and what God considers to be sound doctrine is this area of temperance. Following? Everybody on the same page here? So the word of God speaks of it, but the word of God speaks of it in terms of a command. The Christian life is not easy to live. We know this. We have a battle that we face with our flesh, between the flesh and the spirit, and these two are contrary, the one to the other, that you cannot do the things that you would. We have enemies along the way. The Christian has three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. You know what? Too many times the devil and the world get blamed for our failures. When in reality, our flesh is to blame. Our flesh is not under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. And that's the reason that we have these failures in our life. And God wants us to be temperate. This self-control, this balance is commanded of the saints of God. Uh, Titus 1 and verse 8. The command for the qualification for a man in the ministry is that he be temperate. We read in Titus 2. In verse 2, that Paul told Titus, you speak these things that become sound doctrine. And this is what ought to be in the life of the child of God. It is a command of the scripture. Second Peter chapter 1, turn over there with me. Second Peter 1. In verse 5, Second Peter 1, 5 says, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness. So when we read about this, we have to understand and remember that this is not just a suggestion. This is something God wills in his people. And so that's how we need to receive it. It's not something to just toss to the side or something to dismiss as though that isn't that important. We're talking about a command from the word of God, amen? We bet we're accountable to that truth. And so we need to consider ourselves and we need to do it with a mind that I want to engage and I want to apply God's truth in my life. I want to align my life with God's word. So what are some areas then where this temperance is supposed to be practiced in our life? We see the word of God talks about it. It's commanded. But 
how does it apply and what are some areas where temperance ought to be practiced in our life? First of all, we could say that temperance needs to be practiced in our appetites. We can look in Proverbs chapter 23. You know this passage of scripture. It's specifically referring to the appetite for food, but you can make the application for appetites in our life as well. Proverbs 23 and verse 1, When thou sittest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee, and put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. Be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. He talks about putting a knife to your throat if you're one that is given to appetite. Listen, it's part of, we could talk about how uh, controlling or appetites being under control is part of being a good steward of this body that God has given to us. Balance, temperance, self-control. You say, well, that's a pretty obvious one. Are there other ones? Sure, there's, there's lots of other ones. And maybe ones that we don't necessarily often think about or that we give much attention to because it may be more of a habit or a part of our lifestyle than we actually think. Did you know that God wants temperance when it comes to our speech and the way that we speak and the way that we talk and the way that we use our tongue? Look in Psalm 19 with me. Psalm 19. In verse 14. Psalm 19, 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So the psalmist says, my desire is that the words that come out of my mouth, those things be acceptable in your sight. Okay, I'm just going to lay a little groundwork here. Now look at Proverbs, or excuse me, Psalm 141. Psalm 141. In verse 3, the psalmist says, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Incline not my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity, and let me not eat of their dainties. He says, Set a watch over my mouth. Uh, Keep the door of my lips. And by the way, I don't also don't want my heart inclined to any evil thing to practice wickedness. You know, some people say things without thinking, but you know what? People say things of things that are in their heart, though, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So we can say things without thinking, but it's a reflection of already what's in my heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And the psalmist says, I don't want my heart inclined to any evil thing. And Lord, I want you to set a watch over my mouth because the words that come out of my mouth, I want them to be pleasing in your sight. Now look at Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13. In verse 3, the Bible says, He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. You ever known somebody who just keeps causing more and more problems for themselves because they just can't shut up? Yeah, me. (laughs) Yeah, that's me. So as much as I'm preaching here tonight, trust me, this is directed at me, some of these things 
before you. And very convicting how the word of God, when we examine it and we examine our life in light of it and the way that we respond and the way that we react and the way that we uh, come, come across. Listen, I'm telling you, uh, this issue of temperance, it's very serious and it's, it's a matter of the fact that the spirit of God has got to be in control of our life because the flesh, there's no good thing in it. And when we're in the flesh, we're going to have a tendency to start running our mouth. The Lord wants temperance in our speech. And we can look at James chapter 3. You know this passage of scripture regarding the tongue. It's very descriptive and very clear how deadly uh, the tongue can be. James chapter 3. And look at verse 2. For in many things we offend all. You ever think you don't offend anybody? In many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on, the, on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Yikes. Hey, we're praising God and blessing God on Sunday and we're in church on Wednesday night and we're saying the right things and then we go home and all of a sudden out of that same mouth comes all of these other words towards our spouse or towards other people, right? Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. And my brethren, these things ought not so to be. The tongue can be out of control. It can cause a world of hurt, the Bible says. It needs a watch set on it. Amen? You know what? There's a time for things like joking and jesting. There's a time for that. There's a time to be able to enjoy those things. But it can very easily go too far and become out of balance in a person's life. That's where temperance comes in. Our speech ought to build and edify far more than it tears down or does anything else. And in fact, it shouldn't if we're controlled by the Spirit of God. Amen. And never in this life will we be perfect. We won't be. 
But this issue of temperance, the self-control because of the Spirit of God, this balance in our life is what we're talking about here. The Lord wants temperance in our appetites, whether it's physical appetites for whatever, whether it's our speech, the way we speak, and the Spirit of God also wants temperance in our spirit when it comes to our emotions, when it comes to our feelings, when it comes to our responses. This balance, this temperance ought to be uh, what is characterizing our life. Look at Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16. Our emotions and our feelings can be completely out of control. And it can be controlled by the flesh, which leads to the wrong kinds of responses. Changes and affects our moods. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 32 He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. Here's real strength right here. The one that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and the one that rules his spirit is better than the one who can conquer an entire city. Real strength is found in not retaliating (laughs) in word or deed. When the flesh really, really wants to retaliate to somebody else. Real strength is in control is by the spirit of God, of course, being in control of your thoughts and in your in your life and your body. But when someone offends or when someone is snarky, when someone is coming at you. The real strength is in being able to not retaliate in word or in kind or in deed. Proverbs chapter 25. Having our emotions, our responses under control. Proverbs 25 and verse 28, the Bible says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. A person whose emotions, feelings, spirit is not under control, the Bible says is like a city that is broken down and without walls. What it means is that it's vulnerable, it's unprotected, and it's going to end up in ruins. That's what that means. Extremes in people's personalities often lead to extremes in our responses to life circumstances. You know, I already mentioned it. People say things without thinking. That's a, a symptom of an extreme. Or, and I, I'm known for this myself, and I think certain personality types are like this more than others. But to, you know, in a, in a conversation or in something that is a disagreement or something that you don't like, the response often is, is to say something that is an extreme thing that jumps from here all the way over to here. That if, if you said this, that automatically means this. And 
It's absolutely extreme and not even something that I actually really mean. But in the moment, being controlled by the flesh, those extreme words come out. You ever known somebody like that? Oh, yeah, we can start pointing fingers because I know there's some of you in here. I can actually call you out by name. (laughs) Maybe it's more on this side. Who knows? The Lord does. That often will create more trouble for ourselves, doesn't it? It can ignite, and man, that can escalate real quickly. Or how about this one? We're talking about responses. We're talking about extremes in our responses to life circumstances. Sometimes people are really extreme and have a tendency toward fear in their life. And they'll often exaggerate or imagine something to be worse than it is because of this tendency in their personality and it just gets blown up in their mind and they're imagining all these things and they're just so convinced that this is now true when they have no idea if it's true or not. But now they're operating as if it's true. And it leads to actions or responses that are often not logical. The point is, is that our flesh gets out of control. And the Lord wants temperance, balance in our life. Being controlled by our feelings, which change from moment to moment so often, it keeps us from being guided by principle And it causes a destabilizing factor in our life. Let me say it again. When we're controlled by our feelings, and there's this up and these extremes of up and down and and so on, and, and not temperance in the life, being controlled by our feelings keeps us from being guided by principle, and it destabilizes our life, and it leads to acting impulsively, saying impulsive things, having illogical thoughts that are not brought under the control of the Spirit of God. That's often how people make bad choices and end up ruining something, or it's often how people get their feelings hurt so easily. Ever known somebody who has their feelings hurt all the time? Or being uber-sensitive. Temperance or moderation, or control, or balance when it comes to emotions and feelings and responses and words that we say. Listen, that is a godly thing. Moderation, control, balance when it comes to all of these emotions. And we need the Spirit of God to control us, or our flesh certainly will. We need to yield to the Spirit of God. So... The challenge is examine your life even now. Do you have some tendencies towards some of these things? It might be areas of your life that you need to grow in, in this area of temperance. Be more balanced, yielded to the Spirit of God. We also need temperance in our actions. Romans chapter 13, I'll just touch on this quickly and move on. Romans chapter 13 In verse 14, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ 
and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. There's a choice here. Don't make provision for your flesh because the lust of it's going to be fulfilled when you do. Rather put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's talking about, listen, don't, don't be foolish. Be wise. Be understanding even of yourself. The fleshly tendencies, what those are. There needs to be some moderation, some control. And so we've talked about the command of temperance. We've talked about areas of our life where it should be practiced. And maybe you find yourself in a spot where, you know what, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty weak in this area. Maybe other things aren't as much of a problem and I have more self-control in my life in these other areas. But, but there's some here where I really need to be strengthened or I need to grow in these areas of my life. And so the question is, how can this be strengthened? How can temperance be strengthened in my life? What can I do to help in this area of temperance or self-control or balance? There are some things that we can do. We certainly need to be yielding to the Spirit of God, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But there's other things that we can do. A few practical things that we can do to help ourselves yield to the Spirit of God and keep that flesh under control. Number one, let me just point this out to you. This is something that you can do, and you can do it daily, and so can I. And here it is. You can die to yourself every day. Die to self every day. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's go over there. And I told you we'd get back to this passage. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, and he's giving some good admonition here. And he uses some illustrations from Grecian contests, but he's highlighting the, the impact or the importance of having the flesh under control. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 25, he says, Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. So he's talking about the Grecian games. He's talking about those athletes who are trying to perform in a certain event. And there's this event that's coming up. And he says they're training for this event. And in leading up to this moment, he says they're temperate in all things. For a particular reason, he says they do it to receive a corruptible crown. Just for that, that crown, that, that wreath that goes on their head, for the bragging rights, for whatever. He says, but here's the spiritual side of it. We ought to do the same thing for an incorruptible crown. And then he says, he makes the application. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul is talking about exercising self-restraint here. This is an active, on purpose, with a goal in mind action to take. Exercising self-restraint. Notice he says he keeps under, keep under my body. That phrase, it means to hit it under the eye. It means to give it a black eye. Look at the context. He says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. He's like, I'm not shadow boxing. I'm not just practicing here. This is a real fight, and I'm going to punch my, you know, my body metaphorically 
under the eye, I'm going to give it a black eye to knock it out. It's an on-purpose action. It's an active uh, pursuit with a goal in mind. That's the kind of action he's talking about. Notice he says he brings it into subjection. That word or that phrase, to bring it into subjection, it means to trip and then keep it down when it's down. And it's, uh, it's, it carries the idea of something, in, uh, two guys in a wrestling match. And you know, it's the one guy, you see him, you see him use his leverage and he uses his weight and he grabs the guy and he flips him over and he throws him onto the ground. And when he goes down, he's coming right down on top of him to pin him down and keep it down. That's what he's talking about. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. I trip it up, and when it falls, then I keep it down. It's an allusion, not just to the boxers, but also to the wrestlers of those games. And the Apostle Paul considered his body as the enemy, as the opponent that he must contend with, and he must mortify it by self-control, by severe labor, to bring it into subjection that the body should be the slave of the soul and not the soul the slave of the body. It's a good thing to practice at denying self. How do we do that? Well, here's just a simple way. You can practice at saying no. You can practice at saying no to something that you want something that you could easily afford to buy. And, oh, I like that. But you know what? I don't need that. And to just practice self-control, I'm going to say, no, I'm not going to buy that. Or I'm hungry. (laughs) I want to eat. But you know what? I don't have to give in to the whims of my flesh And I'm going to say no just because. It's a practice. That's self-control. I just want to sit down and watch TV. I've got a few hours to blow. Got nothing to do. Let's just sit down and watch TV. Or on purpose, I could say no. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go do something more profitable. You see what I'm saying here? That's part of dying to self daily. It's a good practice to simply say no just because. Because there's probably coming a time in our life when the flesh begins to control us a lot more than we think. And we just sort of let things slip and let things go. And we let things slide and we're not on top of it. We're not, in con- we're not really under full, fully in control and... And all of a sudden, we find ourselves in a spot where it's like, hmm, how did I get here? Maybe it's not something horrible, but it's not what it used to be. It's not as disciplined as it should be. Things have gotten out of control. You follow? It's a good practice to say no just because, to grow strong in it, in denying ourselves. Every whim of the flesh before long 
and we're doing that. We can also have temperance strengthened in our life, not only by dying to self or practicing it saying no, but also by not making provision for the flesh. We read Romans 13, 14. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Proverbs 22, 3 says, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. There are some things that we can do. But ultimately, we have temperance strengthened in our life by the word of God being rooted in the heart. That is how temperance is strengthened in our life. Psalm 119 and verse 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Ultimately, the key to walking in the spirit is to be feasting on and dwelling on God's word. God's word is the supernatural source. And when the word of God dwells in you richly, the word of God also effectually works in you and I that believe. Let's look at a couple passages of scripture. Ephesians chapter 5. And I'll close up here. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So if you're going to be controlled by anything, be controlled by the Spirit of God. And then he says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the same context as being filled with the Spirit, he says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns. There's a parallel passage to this. If you look over in Colossians chapter 3, note this in Colossians chapter 3. In verse 16, Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. The Apostle Paul says some of the very same things here about it speaking in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And it's in the exact same context as letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. We cannot have temperance or self-control or balance without the Holy Spirit's control. Because in my flesh dwells no good thing. There's no possible way to bring that under, the, under control unless it's from the Holy Spirit of God. But we cannot be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God without letting the word of God dwell in us richly. The point is, it's by the word of God that these areas are strengthened in life. Why? Because the word of God gives us the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we grow in our experiential knowledge of Jesus Christ through his word and yielding to the spirit. So how do we develop this character quality 
in our life? Well, the fruit is not from us, but that fruit is of the Spirit. And so we need to remember it's not about us working harder to necessarily control that tongue or to rein those emotions in. There are things that we can do. But it's not necessarily about us working harder to try to produce more of this in our life. Rather, we're to work at yielding and living and walking in the Spirit. And He will produce His character in us. Amen. We need some more balance in our life. And I think we're a little more extreme in things than what we think. We don't often like to look at the fact that my emotions might be out of control. Or look at the fact that my responses might be a little extreme. Things I say, they might be a little out of control. And they need to be brought under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? May the Lord help us yield to Him. Walk in the Spirit and live in the Spirit so that the flesh is not out of control. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you'd teach us and challenge us. And Lord, these are, are convicting truths for myself. And Lord, I think that if we're all honest one with another, we would have to say that this war between the flesh and the spirit, it really does what the word says. They're the contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be humble in our response to you in response to your word and Lord not to pass it off or minimize or justify our own poor behaviors or responses or emotions or feelings but Lord to simply say I recognize that my flesh can control me but Lord I want to yield to you so that the Spirit of God controls me and produces this Christ-likeness more and more in me. For the glory of God. And Lord, I pray that you would use your word in our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.